Turn with me to Ephesians 4, please. Ephesians 4. I want to look again at equipping the saints for kingdom life. And the ministry of the Spirit there, the interpretation, some of the interpretation that was given, I actually had prayed up in the prayer room. For those of you who were listening and entering into the prayers upstairs, you would have picked up on some of that. But you weren't there. But the Lord was. So it was a little witness for myself too and those who were there who'd come down to Aaron. The Lord bless you. Turn with me to Ephesians 4 and let's just read again from verse 8. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. We thank you for his great sacrifice on the cross. We thank you for the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Father, we ask you now to build your church, edify the saints, encourage everyone that comes under this word. Lord, fill my mouth with your words and let your words be alone heard. Encourage us, instruct us, teach us, lead us, and guide us. Lord, we pray, Lord, even convict us and compel us further into service and to go on in you, Father. So, Lord, we love you and we worship you. And we ask you, Lord, that you would just now look upon us and may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer, for Jesus' name's sake. Amen. You remember how, when we're reading here from Ephesians chapter 4, how the Lord, it says here in verse 8, when he ascended up and high laid captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Remember the word gifts is the word doma. It's not charisma, as in charismatic gifts, but doma coming from an akin word, demo or demo, where we get our word demonstration or to demolish something, D-E, 
M-O. It was the idea of building up to roof level for you to stand on, to see around, to look around, to look down at the ground. It's a little bit like when my heart is overwhelmed and lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And when you and I are led to the rock that's higher than ourselves, of course, is Christ himself. And when we find ourselves lost in a holy amazement and wonder at him, what we do find is that our circumstances that are big seem small, our mountains seem like hills, and our valleys are really made straight or flat and filled in most of the time. And we look down on our circumstances and we look down, we're rising above and overcoming those things that have caused us to fear and upset us. And of course, looking from the rock, we have great vision and we also have great perspective for there's always a better perspective when you're outside looking in, but even better when you're up looking down and you feel and you sense and you acknowledge and you know in that, that you are then overcoming in Christ. You are then receiving. You are then seeing further than you would have seen when you're in the valley or down at that level. So that's why the, the psalmist would have said, when my heart is overwhelmed or when my heart is shrouded in darkness, it means lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Every sermon, every message, every study, every prayer, every song, every time of worship, everything, should always lead God's people to the rock that's higher than ourselves. Should always point us to and lead us to the Lord Jesus Christ in everything. That he would be uh, centralized, that he would be preeminent over and before all other things. No matter what would come our way. So we have looked at this, that whenever he ascends in high, he leads captivity captive and he gives gifts unto men. Next verse tells us he descended. I can't go into that. It's another study. As he descended, it's the same one who descended into the tomb, into the grave, is now risen from the dead. He has ascended now into the heavens. In other words, the power of the resurrection, the Holy Spirit of God who risen from the dead, lives in you. And so this is the idea. He, he grounds. Remember then, what does he give? He gave gifts. He gave a grounding, a building, a security, a teaching, and a helping for the church. And it says in verse 11, he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And the idea here is that apostles would govern, prophets would guide, uh, evangelists would gather, pastors would guard, and through teaching would ground. That's the idea what God has placed in the church and it's what for? It's to demonstrate himself in the church. It's not to build a hierarchy in the church by any means at all. But it's to demonstrate his power and to demonstrate himself in certain people that they would then demonstrate Christ to others and build them up and lift them up and encourage them and spur them on whenever they come under the sound of the teaching of the word or whether they would come under uh, the sound of the word as an evangelist would reach out. Every one of you is an evangelist, you know that. Every one of you. You may not have a special gift of evangelism where you can preach certain evangelistic messages. and You may not have that gift, but everyone has an evangelistic element of a gift within them, if I could put it like that. Every single one of you has the, uh, the Spirit of God within you, then you have the ability to prophesy. Think about this now. God who gives us uh, and makes us prophets and gives us the gifts to, to, to lift up and to edify means he is within you. So you have the availability of these things. 
It's not all about a man at the front. God has placed many gifts for you to build others up. God has placed you and given you a gift for you to go and teach others, to help others. But you must be grounded in what God has given you. Notice this. He gave gifts, and as we said before, what is it for? Verse 12 tells us, let's look at it, for the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body. Perfecting of the saints, working of the ministry, edifying of the body. Now the word perfecting here is a word, katardimos, which means to equip the saints for ministry. So in other words, if you're here this morning and you come under the word of God, the idea here is or someone comes alongside to encourage you, to reach you with, with, with something that will build you up, not demolish you and pull you down. Brother, if you're demolishing someone, you're doing the wrong thing. If your words demolish people, sister, if your tongue is a tongue of vileness, if your tongue is a tongue uh, that goes around speaking behind others' backs to demolish them, then you're doing the work of the devil. God builds his people up. He doesn't demolish them to destruction. You have an ability to build up. The the words of your tongue can mean so much to someone or they can do so much damage to someone. Look, the scriptures tell us that the words you speak are the fruit you'll eat. And they that love it shall eat the fruit of it. So if you and I love speaking death over people, if you love to speak gossip over people to demolish them, it will turn on you and you'll eat the same fruit. You will eat the same fruit. But if your tongue is speaking life and health and joy and peace and building others up, guess what? You'll eat that fruit too. If you speak death all the time, you're going to come into the sphere and realm of death. If you speak negative all the time, you're going to get pulled down. You're going to come into the realm of negativity. And in fact, everybody will be, everybody will be wrong, only you. You'll be the right one. But it will come back on you. And if you're negative, you never see the positive. You don't move on in God. Your tongue has the ability to lift one up or pull one down. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. In other words, what we speak is we are sowing into the ether. But we're also sowing about someone. Which means you will reap what you have sown. But if you're sowing life and you're sowing blessing in. And you're sowing health to someone. If you're speaking positive into someone, you're saying, look, God is able. You can do all things through Christ. No weapons formed against you shall prosper. If you're speaking, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If you're speaking, the love of God is greater far. In other words, if you're saying that nothing shall separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. You know what happens? Listen, even when they've fallen, even when they've went wrong, Do you know what happens? 
When you fall and you go wrong, someone will speak it over you too. It builds them up. I can't go on in God. And the Christian army is the only army that buries its wounded. Don't even wait till you're dead. They bury their wounded. So in the church, you should have a tongue of blessing, of life, because that's what you'll receive in return. Blessing and life again. Whenever we're looking here, the word here for perfecting called tardimos means to equip for service, but it gives the idea to correct everything that's deficient. So there's things that may come into the church and the, the local expression or the governing body of that part of the church may have to apply teaching to correct the deficiency. But if you learn the correction of that deficiency, God has placed it into you to go and help someone else and see their deficiency and help them speaking the truth in love. Notice this. It also gives the idea, remember, of mending broken bones or mending fishing nets. So this ministry is given as if there's been a hole in the fishing net, it's snagged on the rocks. And so, like, remember, I give you the example of James and John were in the Father's Sabbath's boat, and Jesus comes to call them, and they we're told that, that, that they were mending their nets. They, they couldn't cast their nets and expect to catch fish when there's a big hole in it. And our lives, if our lives have big holes in them, uh, by things where we're being led wrong, taught wrong, we're going about with every slight wind of doctrine, and we don't know whether we're coming or we're going, with no foundation and grounding in God, and we have no idea who we are in Christ, then you have a big hole in the net. But the idea is that we mend that. We don't throw the net away. We don't cast it out. Like James and John mending their nets before, they cast it back out again for use. Maybe you've fallen and, you know, you say, well, Lord, will never forgive me now. Listen, the idea for the church is, is to mend your life. To mend your life. Again, if you and I as a church are wanting to destroy or demolish, we are not demonstrating Christ to them. I've never read anywhere in the scriptures where someone comes in repentance or someone comes with sorrow for their life or their heart or their sin or whatever to Christ, I've never read anywhere where he refuses them and he doesn't bless them and build them up again. The idea is whether we go through hardships in life and whether it's in the Christian life. Listen, there are people and and people have had tough times in their families and there's people that would go to certain places to worship and they'd nearly be put out because they've had a, a broken failed marriage. What does that say about us as a church? I'm just using that as an example. Or they've... They've went wayward and they've strayed and they've sinned. And, well, you know, we're the, we are the elite and you know, we are uh, very well thought of in our community. So please don't come to our church. Aren't you glad you're not in the church of Corinth? Paul gave a catalogue of what they were. They were all manner of people. And he says, but such were Looking back, such were some of you, but now you are washed. (laughs) 
And listen, such were some of you and the man you're listening to. But now you are washed. You know what that means? You're cleansed. You're clean. You're forgiven. And God forgives, but the church likes to hold on to it. We're here to edify, to mend nets and broken bones, broken hearts, broken lives, broken families, broken men and broken women. We're here to set them and mend them. We're here to take the net and put it back together again. And what for? They get them to sit on a pew and say, now you've been a bad boy and a bad girl. You've a bit of a past behind you. Sit there and keep your mouth shut. Don't pop your head up. You mend it to throw it back out into service in order to catch others. Who better to talk to about uh, a life that has been kept by the power of God and never went into the world than someone who was saved as a child and went on with God. I can't really witness. I can witness of God's grace, but I can't witness to that person for that because I wasn't in that lifestyle. But there are others here who were. What about those who, who have been in a life past like my own? I can reach others that maybe they can't reach. But I'm no better or no less. Neither are they. We're all part of the body and we are fitly framed together. Look with me. Verse 16 of our reading, of our chapter. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Let me put that in layman's terms and in a nutshell for you. From Christ comes grace. Through Christ comes his grace. And in his grace and through his spirit, in you and in me, no matter our lifestyle, no matter what we have done in the past, no matter what has been behind us, notice this. It says we are fitly framed together. We're compacted. In other words, we're in close quarters. And we're pressed in against each other. My arm, I mean, it might sound silly, but if I walked around with my left arm out of God, all the time you're going to wonder what's wrong. My right arm out there. In other words, my arm is where it should be. My arm is compacted to my body. My arm is functionable, thankfully. My eyes can see and my ears can hear, thankfully. Thank the Lord for that. And so, uh, 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 and so we can say, as we are part of the body, the mystical body of Christ on earth, you might be the hearing, you might be the seeing, you might be a part of the arm for the labor, you might be the feet for walking, you might be the finger for pointing an evangelist, you know, or the prophet, thus saith the Lord. You might be something different than I am, but nevertheless, you're, you're no less. And I am no more. Yes, I have to lead. Yes, I have to guide. Yes, I have to make decisions. Yes, we need that in leadership. But it's not in hierarchical leadership where we have clothed and cloaked men who lord over the flock. I'm going to show you that in a little minute, that it's not that at all. So the word here, perfect, perfecting is the word kartartimos. 
And we looked at it last week, even in Matthew 21, verse 16. The Lord Jesus says, Yea, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings? Thou hast perfected praise. Cartartimos again. And the idea here is they had turned the real worship and praise of God into something it was never meant to be. He's saying this about the Jews in the Jewish temple too. He's saying, look guys, use of broad and Talmudism from Babylon. Use of, um, use of brought the writings of the, of the, of the rabbis in with the word of God and you hold it and still do by the way and you hold it as in, in power with the word of God the Roman church hold the, the word of the papacy over the very word of God the Jehovah's Witnesses tell everyone what to preach in every church or every gathering every kingdom hall uh, through the watchtower hold it in power with the word of God the Mormons have theirs when they, they have uh, uh, the, the, uh, another gospel of Jesus Christ is called. And they hold it, the writings in the diary of Joseph Smith. And par with the word of God. You and I don't have that. We have simply the word of God. And that's the very, that, that, that's the beginning and that's the ending. That's the, the leading and the directing. It, it's for all manners of faith, of conduct and living as being a Christian for you and I. This is, this is the final authority, even over the spiritual gifts that are, that are manifest in the church. If this isn't the final authority, and what it says about you, to you, and for you, if this isn't the final authority, then you and I are moving into a cult status and status. But this Bible's all we have. We may read commentaries, we may quote other people who've got a nice thought, but we do not hold it as the word of God. We do not hold it in par with the word of God. And we do not certainly hold it over the word of God. There's one book and that's it. That's what we must live by. And this is where our teaching comes from. If it's in it, we'll believe it. And if it's not, we don't receive it. But what does it say then about you? To build you up and to equip you. What does it say about the work of the ministry and the edifying of the body? What does it say about, you know, we go, we, we have many sportsmen in the, in the church, whether it's football or cycling or whatever, whatever. I was going to say golf, but I don't really know if that's a real sport. But you know, whenever we're looking at this, people are trying to edify themselves in their physical body. That's okay. It's fine. Spiritually, but the edification comes from the Word of God. What does it say about me? Who am I in Christ? What about service? How could I do that? What does it say whenever we do come to our last days? Should Jesus tarry? What does it say about where I'll be in eternity? What does it say about where I'll be when I leave this scene of time? What does it say about will will I be with Christ, which is far better, or will I be lost forever? What does it say about me living this life, kingdom life now, for the kingdom that is to come? What does it say about you? What does it say about me? That's the idea of here is to ground you that you'd know where you are. 
What does it say about you whenever you feel or whenever you're weak and you're weary or you're sick? What does the word say? And unless we know what this says, we're never going to know really any grounding or foundation. It's turning to this book and none can argue with it. None can argue with it. Jesus says, if you never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. In other words, these wee ones were praising Jesus. And out of a little heart of just, well, I know no better. This is what we're meant to do. He's Messiah. He's King. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah and the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And he's here, they're hearing all these things. And these children's hearts are, are just rejoicing when a, when a big edifice of, of, a, of a temple behind them. Jesus says, no, no, it's not in there. I remember... When my, when my mother died, I remember my dad says, and this is just the way we, we think, you know. I remember he says, son, I took your mommy to St. Stan's Cathedral. Like, surely God would have been in there. This is a Protestant mindset, by the way, you know. He says, surely God would have been in there. And he didn't hear her and she died. I thought if I had a God at St. Anne's Cathedral, big edifice, big cathedral, surely God's in there. I says, Dad, God doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. And a year ago when he was passing away and the death dew lay on his brow, cold on his brow, he went that pasty color. The sweat, cold sweat came on him. It was like grease on him. And they took him by the hand and says, Dad, are you concerned about anything? Are you worried or afraid? This is what he said. Some of his last words to me before he slipped on. He says, son, no. Because now I know he's with me. Now I know he is with me. You see, it's in these moments when we get the reality of this isn't just about a church. This isn't just about clocking a card and saying, there you are, God, you've got me for an hour or two on a Sunday. This is about reality and eternity. This is about people knowing the presence of God. Here's a man who never declared nor decreed to be saved until latter times and yet his writings of his poems uh, and his studies that he'd done per- privately at home, when you read them, you, you see the, 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 the heart of a, of a man who's been saved in it. And it's knowing the Christ is not in the temple. It's in the reality of the Holy Ghost showing you the Lord Jesus. You see, things need mended. The religion of the day needed mended. Jesus says, see that great edifice? <laughs> That's not real praise. That's not Hebraic Israelitish praise. See these hearts of these wee ones. He says, now that's perfect. That's mended praise. Because it's like an innocency. Nothing's holding them back. They're not worried about their neighbor. They're not worried about where they sing out a key. I still have that word. 
perfect. He says, now if we get them praise like this, you know what that is? That's mended, mended worship. Galatians 6 and 1, look at it with me. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. He says, brethren, if there be any overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Now, when Paul's telling us, he's saying, if any man's been overtaken in a fault, I'm going to be honest. I want you to be honest before God and before man. Have any of you ever been overtaken in a fault? Three of us have. Well, see you who are spiritual. Don't forget to help us, okay? In other words, every one of us are overtaken in faults. Every single one of us have faults. You may look at me and think I'm just perfection, but I'm not. And the idea here is that the apostle is saying, if any's overtaken in a fault, ye which are spirits, so it doesn't mean to say, now let me see, let's just call in those who can waft about. And, you know, can I help you? Follow me. <laughs> See you who are in the spirit. Going on well in God. You. Says restore such an one. The word restore, you know what it is? It's the word for perfecting of the saints. It's the word called tardimos. It means build them up. Set their brokenness. Mend their net for them. And how are we to do it? We're to do it in the spirit of meekness. Be gentle with them. Be gentle and kind because it says, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Do you know what that really means? Just remember, brother, sister, all but us three, (laughs) there but for the grace of God, go I. I heard a story about your woman. And she fell badly. I'd stop her breaking bread. Would you? You need to take it up with God. Not a man examine himself. Stop examining others unless we come under the same condemnation. The words you speak of the fruit you eat. I think that he shouldn't be allowed back to church. <laughs> I think there's many of us, if the Lord wanted, of all of us actually, the Lord could kick us out of the kingdom if he had wanted. But there, but for his grace, go every one of us. Grace is a marvelous thing. This, hope I can remember it. This verse came to my mind of an old hymn yesterday. I was thanking God for it. Came to my mind early this morning. I got up and short and ready and it's down in the living room. I was just sitting reading and I came to my mind again 
and I prayed it up in the prayer meeting. And it just really, it just really gripped me to a place where I thought, Lord, even though you know it, it's fresh and it's new to you. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy grace, Lord, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it from or for thy courts above. Dad are your grace, Lord. Not that he's looking at anything in that sense, but every day we live in that. And there but for the grace of God go I. Let me show you one more and we'll wrap this up. We may have to do one more. I wanted to just do this and finish. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, please. And let your eye run down just to verse 10. I'll tell you what, instead of 1 Peter 5, and what we'll do is we'll read just a few verses down into it, okay? Let me just get it myself then. Right. Okay. This chapter will deal with leadership, one another, and then points you directly to Christ. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder. That's what Peter says, okay? So the leadership, in other words, and the witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed in us. I notice what Peter's saying. He says, I'm an elder. So when I speak to you, I speak to myself. He says, even though he says, I'm a witness of the sufferings of Christ. I witness of Christ and his sufferings. And also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. In other words, Peter's looking for this glory that's coming. Notice what he says, feed the flock of God which is among you. In other words, what he's saying is there's a flock which is very dear to the heart of God and very special. In fact, the flock is so special to God, God's ecclesia or ecclesia is the the word we we use church for. But God's redeemed saints, his church, he says, feed that flock. You know why? Because Jesus paid a great price for it. In other words, the brother and the sister whom you and I look at, to speak over, to speak wrong about, who don't build up and demonstrate Christ to, but rather demolish with the words of our mouth and even go and gather groups to do likewise. Well, we'll eat the fruit of that. But notice what he's saying. Those ones that you're speaking about, he says, those ones who you're uh, 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 doing wrong to, those who you're neglecting. Neglect. From the elders and the leaders Listen, by the way, if you're a Sunday school teacher or Kingdom Kids or youth, if you neglect the ones who are under you, you are, believe it or not, brothers and sisters, you're in a pastoral role in those roles. 
you're in a when you're in that office and that that role, you're a pastor to those little children, you know, and you could phone them parents and see how they're getting on. The older ones you can wrap their door, ask their parents how they're how they're, you're thinking about them, or you know, it, it's all about pastoral caring for those who are straying. And of course, that goes for myself and for Philip and those who'll come in to leadership as elders. It's about visitation, it's about building up, phone call, wrap a door, visit the sick, pray for them, go to the hospitals, whatever it takes. And it says also to teach them. You're feeding. Like, if you don't feed sheep, what happens to a sheep if you, if you don't feed it? It dies. And this is to do with feeding. So in whatever role that you're in, you need to feed them. Feed the youth and feed the kingdom kids and feed the, the Sunday school. And feed the ones who are there who you're bringing up and teaching. You're edifying to build them up. And Peter says here, look, as, a, as the pastor or as an elder, he says... I'm one among you, and I've seen the sufferings of Christ. He says, and I'm a partaker of God's glory to come. He says, but listen, I'm also defeat. What was it Jesus said when he was risen and met Peter at the, uh, at the shore? Feed my lambs and feed my sheep. Here, Peter brings it out in his epistle, and he says, feed the flock of God, because they're precious to God. Let the Holy Spirit for a moment, just at this one point in time, let him just speak to your mind and heart and let him speak to your mind and heart and see who have I maybe done wrong to or who have I maybe spoken bad about and maybe have I spoken harshly with or maybe who have I been angry for no reason over you or, you, or who can I bless or who can I help or who can I visit who needs a phone call who needs a lift to church who needs whatever and let the Holy Ghost just for one second just let him bring someone to your mind and he'll do it right now So there's your commission. You've just got it. You've just got your commission. Mend the net. Mend that net. Peter says here, and I'll finish with this a little bit, and we'll do one with we'll a dedication next week, but we'll not do it this next week. We'll finish it the week after. Notice what he says. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. In other words, if you're in a leadership role, be the leader. Be the leader. Don't be, don't be a dictator. Be a leader. Lead, by the way. Listen, see if you're not willing as a leader to come down and put on a glove and stick your hand down the toilet, and don't expect others to do it. Does that seem fair? See if you're a leader and you're you're heading for leadership or ministerial leadership, and you don't expect and you and you wouldn't lift the Hoover and Hoover the floor, or you wouldn't come and uh, and and help in whatever capacity it seems demeaning to you. Don't expect others to follow you. You're their example. You're their example. The thing is, we all think that ministerial is about spiritual, but it's not. I'd be honest with you. 
See, as a pastor, most of my ministerial, my ministry is more about going and doing. Going and visiting, going and hospitals or wherever. Go and then you minister in the spirit. There's men here and they're working, they've been working while painting and yesterday a couple out round scraping the dirt outside, shovels of dirt in the bags. And, you, know, and, you know, that's ministry. What happens, if, what happens if no one visits that person? And they get down on themselves. Am I not the flock of God? Am I not precious in God's sight? Lord, I know you haven't left me, but where? Where's my visitation from those who are meant to be feeding me? And can I say something, by the way? See if I'm, I'm speaking to me too. See if I'm speaking to any of you and you're concerned thinking I, I have ignored or I haven't been there. I really am trying to get around as many as I can with the studying and everything else I'm doing. I promise you that. But I would be right at your door this afternoon. That's not a problem. My heart is for you. It's just there's so many at the minute I'm trying to get around them all. Herein is the perfecting of the saints. It's not about crossing T's and dotting I's. It's about demonstrating Christ. Does that make sense to us? It's about demonstrating Christ. Jesus must needs go through Samaria. You know something? Jesus knew that woman was coming to that well. Jesus knew she was a woman who had uh, a string of husbands and the one she was with, she was living in sin. He knew all that before he even went. He could have spoke the word from Jerusalem and the woman would have been changed in Samaria. He could have sent a disciple. But he'd done it himself because it was ministry. He was demonstrating himself. So we're the body of Christ. What do we demonstrate to others? What do we demonstrate? It's for the edification, for the building up for one another. So whoever the Lord has led or whatever the Lord has led in your heart, go put it right. Mend that net. And love them. Let me finish. Here we are. Let's get it. Neither, verse 3, neither being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples or examples to the flock. Leading by example. Look, see if you're going to have, see in ministry or you're going to do something for God, see if you're not settled in your heart and wanting to be there to do these things. See if you're not there. That's why I consistently try to be in my pulpit. Say not, I'm not being on tonight. <laughs> but I consistently try to be here every time in the pulpit because I was brought up in that. To lead by example. To lead by example. Because then we don't get disappointed. Or we would be disappointed, let me say. We would be disappointed if we didn't lead by example. Others have no example to follow. And if the, like the priests are, then the people will be. And it's the same in everything, every walk of life. 
If you're saying to someone all the time, I'm coming, I'm going to be there, I'm going to, I'm going to pick my life up and I'm going to be out on a Sunday night tour, I'm going to do this, and you don't do it, see, after a while, people go, ah, forget it. We must perfect the saints by building them up with stability, grounding, building up to a rooftop experience to lead them to a rock that's higher than ourselves in all their situations and circumstances. Look at this as well. Let's finish with this. When the chief shepherd shall appear, then you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Now listen, we sang that this morning. I'll sing with a glittering crown upon my brow. See, in all honesty, I want to tell you something. I don't believe that's true. I don't believe everyone who professes the name of Christ will sing with a glittering crown upon their brow. Salvation is completely free. It is by grace through faith. But crowns speak of finished races. Crowns speak of accomplishment. Crowns speak of authority. And there's administration in the kingdom of God. And we're to run the race that's set before us. That we may receive or attain that crown. When the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. If you read that, then it goes, the young, younger submit themselves to the elder. And then it goes, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Verse 7, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant for you because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You know what that's telling me? The devil is a roaring lion is walking around and he sees you whenever you're straying. He sees you when you're not serving. He sees those who are weak and it's up to you and I to go and bring them in to rescue them from the destruction of the devil. It's up to you. It's up to me. And if we're not doing it, nobody else will do it. The Holy Ghost uses you. You're his vehicle and you're his vessel. Nah, doesn't matter. There's too much on it. Who did God put in your heart there just when we stop? Don't shout them out now. But who did God set in your mind? What did God set in your mind? What part of your life do you need to change that God sets in your mind? And we sort of think about these things and then we go, ah, we'll go home and we'll have our tea and forget about it. That's just been a word of prayer. Father, I pray that from myself to every one of us in this church this morning, that you would seal in every mind that which you would have us to do, that you would seal right now that which would keep burning in our breast and imprinted upon our minds, that person or that thing you want us to go after or to change. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you have spoken to our hearts through your word and your spirit. Lord, then you will start to build your church. May we all be fitly framed together. And we pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that no matter when we go home, that the birds of the air will not take the seed of the word of God out of our hearts, but, Lord, that it will find a place of lodging and good ground and grow up and spring up into some 30, 60, and 100 fold. And we pray, Father, that in Jesus' name, that this will not be forgotten, 
not put away, but rather, Father, that you will continue with us. And when man and woman's voices are silent in our lives, then that the Holy Ghost will continue to speak in order, Lord, to bring us closer to you, to build us up in order to reach others, that we may serve you with the fullness of our abilities. Lord, we love you and we worship you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless. Time to.